0: Well, I want to say good morning to those of you who are watching online. Let me just say again, I hope you can. If you are married or you have a significant other and you're thinking about getting married uh, October the 1st here at our church, we're going to be leading just a time just to encourage you. I've been married for 45 years and I will tell you, I still have to work on my marriage. Marriage is work and it's the greatest, one of the greatest works you will do. But we want to help you. If you've got a great, good marriage, you want to make it great. If you've got a poor marriage, you want to make it good. If you've a, got a good marriage, Want to make it better and so hope I pr- you'll be there today. I'm glad I'm here. I almost didn't make it. I was in Athens last night filling up on fried chicken and uh, just had a great time. But as we begin today, I want to tell you th- probably the most helpless, frightening experience that I've ever had in my life. Even to this day, I can wake up in a cold sweat thinking about it. Our family had just moved back to Atlanta. We were pastoring in Mississippi and we just moved back to Atlanta. And Teresa and I and my mom had gone shopping, and we left my, my boys, uh, my two oldest sons, James and Jonathan, who were seven and four at the time, uh, with my dad. So we're coming back home, and right below our house where we used to live are, are railroad, there's some railroad tracks. And just as we got to the railroad tracks, we had to stop because the train was coming by. Well, we're watching the train, and you can see my house, and you can see the, the road up for, you know, ahead of us, and our horror, we looked up, and there was James and Jonathan up at the very top of this hill out in the middle of the road, and people came flying over that hill, and they were out there playing. Somebody had gotten out of my dad's side, or he'd gotten busy and didn't really know where they were. And so we're looking at this with, I mean, just horror on our faces, because I know if a car comes over the hill, they're going to die. There's no way the car could stop, and they are absolutely going to die. Now, they couldn't hear us scream. We were screaming and yelling. They couldn't hear us. They couldn't even see us because of of the train. And I want to tell you, it seemed like that train was 30 miles long. It seemed like it would never, ever, ever, ever end. And we were just praying and and we were asking God, God, please don't let anything happen to us. And it was one of those, it was a very busy road. And we just had to ask God to intervene. And of course, thankfully, no car came over the hill. And, you know, we were able to get to them first. But for me, that was a Red Sea moment in my life. I was in a situation where I was absolutely helpless. Nothing I could do. It was God or nothing. If you live long enough, you're going to have your own Red Sea moments. You may be in a Red Sea moment right now. Let me tell you what I mean by a Red Sea moment. These are impossible situations where it seems like there's no way out, no way up, no way back. You're totally helpless. And the only way forward requires God to come through. By the way, at the next, state, next line, God should always be capitalized, guys. So make that correction. So I think we're Muslims. Now, just a joke, cut that. If you're familiar with the Bible, if you are familiar with the Bible, those two words, Red Sea, ought to make you automatically think of somebody. For example, if I say Garden of Eden, you think of who? Adam and Eve, right? So if I say um, the ark, Noah. I say Goliath, David. Lion's den, Daniel. Daniel. And then when I think say Red Sea, you have to think of who? Moses. Now, some of you may not know your Bible very well, and you may not be very familiar with Moses. So what I'd like to do is, is, is let's just do a little review, because we're beginning a series today that we're calling Red Sea Moments, and it's all about the life of Moses. And you may think, why in the world would you spend two months on the life of a guy that maybe nobody talks about very much today? Well, except for Jesus. Nobody cast a bigger shadow over the Bible than this man named Moses. In the centuries between Abraham and Jesus, the most influential figure was Moses. Moses is mentioned, you ready for this? I didn't know this. Moses is mentioned eight more than 800 times in the Bible. He is the single most important figure in the Old Testament. If God had a Mount Rushmore, Moses would be probably the first figure on that mountain. He was one of two men who God brought back from heaven to confer with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He wrote the very first song in the Bible. To this day, he is revered by Muslims. He is revered by Jews. He is revered by Christians. The Jewish festival of tabernacles, weeks, Passover, the holy days of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur all find their roots in the story of Moses. If you go to Israel today, you will see Orthodox Jews walking the streets of Jerusalem. They still observe the Sabbath. The whole nation of Israel is forced to observe the Sabbath for one reason, because of Moses. You may not know this. Moses is enshrined in the architecture of the U.S. Supreme Court. Both inside and outside of the court is a mural and a monument honoring Moses as perhaps the greatest lawgiver in history. But there was one thing, there was one event, there was one moment that put Moses on the map, that made Moses a household name. And it's depicted in one of the greatest movies of all time called The Ten Commandments. Now, I'm going to be very honest. Most of you are too young to remember it. If If I were to name Charlton Heston, you don't know Charlton Heston from Charlie Pride. I get that. But there's this movie, and it has one of the greatest scenes, I think, in all of movie history. If you haven't seen it, watch it right now. The Lord of hosts will do battle for us. Behold his mighty hand. Of his nostrils. Lead them through the midst of the waters. His will be done. He opens the waters before them, and he bars our way with fire. Let us go from this place. Men cannot fight against a god. Better to die in battle with a god than live in shame. Praise God and down into it! That's just a great scene. I remember watching that. Yeah, give the Lord a hand. You know, I, I remember watching that as a kid. And that's why we're doing this series called Red Sea Moments. Because what you're going to see in this series is this. And this is why I'm so excited. I don't think I've ever been more excited in years about a series. I've never done a series on Moses before. And here's why I hope you won't miss one week in this series. Because what you're going to see is, is in so many ways, the life of Moses is your life. And the life of Moses is my life. Now, I know Moses is no longer on earth, right? We know that. But I got great news. The God of Moses is still on earth. The God of Moses is still here. And listen carefully. The story of Moses is not just what God did for Moses. It's what God wants to do for you. The story of Moses is not what not just what God did in Moses' life. It's what God wants to do in your life. The story of Moses is not just what God did through Moses. It's what God wants to do through you. The story of Moses is not just a story, it's your story. It is real history. And Moses reminds us of something. We're going to see this right off the bat. We are not accidents. I don't care what the education tells us. I don't care what the scientists say. We are not accidents. We didn't just get here by chance. So listen to this carefully. The same God that brought Moses into the world at a specific period and a specific place for a specific purpose to fulfill a specific plan is the same God that has done that for you. You are just as special as Moses. You are just as important to God as Moses. You play a part in God's plan just like Moses did. God has a purpose for your life just as he did for Moses. Now, when Moses was born, the Hebrew people had become slaves in the land of Egypt. I'm going to give you the background of the story. It wasn't always that way. You go back 400 years before Moses, there was a great man by the name of Joseph. And Joseph rose up through the ranks even though he was Jewish. he, He rose up through the ranks and he became the prime minister of Egypt And the Pharaoh at that time adopted his people and gave them favored status, the full rights of citizenship. And 400 years now have gone by. And the Hebrew people now have two big problems. Number one, there was a Pharaoh that had forgotten Joseph. But it was worse. The Hebrew people had forgotten God. And it was in that situation that a baby was born that changed everything. Because the Hebrew people needed a miracle. And that miracle came into the form of a baby. Because every baby is a miracle. Today, I want you to think about yourself differently. This is your assignment for the day. When you go home today, I want you to do this go look in a mirror. Because you're looking at a miracle. You may think you're not, you may think you're a flop, you may think you're a failure, you may wonder, you may think you're a mistake, you're not. You're looking at a miracle, because there are three things that were true of Moses from the moment he came into the world, and they were true of you the moment you came into the world, and I want you to see these three things this morning. Number one, we are born in the providence of God. We are born in the providence of God. Now, this most extraordinary man is introduced in a very ordinary way. Here's what we read in Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. Now, a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman. Now, there's a real important word there you wouldn't even notice. If I said, what, what do you, Which one of those words do you think is very important? The word that stands out to me is this little word now. Now, a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman. Someone once asked the baseball player Yogi Berra, what time is it? He said, you mean now? Now, the truth of the matter is, on God's watch, on God's clock, his time is always now. God's time is never yesterday. It's never tomorrow. It's always now. So just like Moses, let me, I don't even have to know the date of your birth can I? I can tell every one of you exactly when you were born. You were born in God's time. I was born in God's time. There was a time when God said to my mother and my dad, now. There was a time when God said to your mom and to your dad, now. And we were born in God's time. And see, here's the beautiful thing. God's time is always about timing. And timing is always perfect. So have you ever thought about this? Why were you born? Why were you born on the specific day and the specific month and the specific year that you were born? Real simple. Because that was God's perfect time for you. You know what that means? Your birth was not an accident. Your birth was an appointment. Every birth is God's way of keeping that appointment. We're all born according to God's timetable. His timetable is perfect. And therefore, from the time that we're born, God is in control of every aspect of our lives. Now, here's the real kicker of this story. From a human perspective, if we'd, been, if we'd been consulting God, we would have said to God, Lord, this is not the best time for Moses to come into this world. As a matter of fact, this is a terrible time. You say, well, why? Remember, Pharaoh didn't remember Joseph. And Pharaoh had gotten afraid of these immigrants. And Pharaoh said, we, these people, if we let them keep multiplying and keep having children, they're going to take over our country. So he got so afraid, he gives this order. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shipra and Puah. By the way, just kind of remember those names. We'll come back to that in a moment. When you're helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see that that baby is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. Every boy was born with a death sentence. But circumstances mean nothing to God because God's in control of every circumstance. And this was a perfect time in Israel in history for Moses to be born because here's what you're going to see. You ready for this? This is how good God is. The same Pharaoh that intended to kill Moses adopts him as his grandson. You think God doesn't know what he's doing? The same Pharaoh that said, I want that boy dead, raises him. As his grandson, in one of the greatest displays of the providence of God you'll ever find anywhere, the man who would one day deliver the Hebrew people from this tyrannical, brutal, evil dictator is trained by Egyptian royalty to become one of the greatest leaders the world has ever known. So let me just say to all of you today, there is no such thing as an accidental ill-time birth. No baby is an accident, by the way. There's no such thing. Listen to me, ladies. There is no such thing as an unwanted child because God wants every child. There's no such thing as an unwanted child. No baby is an accident. No baby has ever come at the wrong time in the wrong place. Every single child is conceived and born in the providence of God. It is no accident that you were born or I was born in this particular time, at this particular place, as this particular person. So when you study the life of Moses, you're going to find this out, really weird. At the very beginning, there's no miracles that takes place in Moses' life. As a matter of fact, there are, let me just tell you this, there are more miracles found in Moses in his lifetime than any other person in the Bible except Jesus. But it's so noteworthy that at the very beginning of his life, there really isn't any miracle at all. But what the world calls coincidence, the Bible calls providence. And what you're going to see in a moment, it was the providence of God that brought Moses out of the womb into the world. And it was the same providence of God that guided Moses Through the world. It was the providence of God that guided Moses to put that little baby in in a reed basket and put him on the Nile River. And it was the providence of God that led Pharaoh's daughter right down to that river at the very same time they put him into that river. And it was the providence of God that led Moses to cry out just as she got to the river. And it was the providence of God that moved that princess to hear that baby cry. And it was the providence of God that said to that Pharaoh, Pharaoh's daughter in her heart, I know he's a Hebrew baby, but I want him to to live. The providence of God never stops working in your life. See, we grow up and we say, you know, I wish I lived in Bible days. Because I'll tell you, I would love to see there were so many miracles that took place in the Bible. I want to say it one more time. You are a miracle. Your birth was a miracle. You're here today because of a miracle. And every time you look in the mirror, you're going to see a miracle because every day you live from the time you were conceived to the time you die, every day is a miracle. And it all starts with being born in the providence of God. That's not where it stops because here's something else we learned from Moses, just like Moses. Not only are we born in the providence of God, you ready for this? We survive under the protection of God. We're born in the providence of God, but we survive under the protection of God. So here's the story, Moses is born. That's good news, right? No, it's bad news. Because Moses is born under a death sentence from the time he takes his first breath. Every year, 140 million babies are born in the world, every year. 10% of them will die. 10% of them will never see childhood. 10% 10% will never see their first birthday. But back in that day, the mortality rate was much higher. It was soaring to unbelievable level because Pharaoh issued a decree. They decree, if you're a boy, you're dead. If you're a boy, you are not going to live. And so Moses Moses is born. He's already got a warrant out for him. He's already got a hitman list out for him. He's got a wanted dead forget-alive poster on every tree. When Moses was born, every Egyptian soldier was a hitman. And every Egyptian soldier knew he had a job. If I find a baby boy and he's Jewish, I am to kill that child. Well, Moses needs a bodyguard. And he only needed one. Here's what we read. When she, that is Moses' mother, saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket. Keep your eye on that. She got a papyrus papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the banks of the Nile. Moses' mother, her name was Jacobed. She is one of the greatest women in the Bible. She keeps this baby for three months, but she knows she can't hide him any longer. So in a tremendous act of faith, knowing all I can do is trust God, she gets some reeds from the, from the edge of the bank. She makes tar and pitch out of it. She makes a basket of reeds, and she puts that child in that basket, and she puts him into that Nile River, and she lets him float away. Now, what the world would say is, well, she just kind of, it was just craps. She was just rolling the dice. It was just up to face. She was just all she was doing was taking a chance. Wait just a minute. That's not true. This will be worth coming to church for because I'm going to tell you something I never knew till I worked on this sermon. You ready? That word papyrus basket is the Hebrew word taba. It's only used one other time in all the Old Testament. You ready for this? It is the same word. That is used to describe Noah's ark. That baby was not placed in a basket. That baby was placed in an ark. An angel surrounded that basket. Nuclear bomb couldn't have killed the baby in that basket. All the bullets in the world could not have penetrated that basket. All the swords in the world could not have pierced through that basket. God put that baby in a big, beautiful ark. And just as God used an, 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 an ark of wood to deliver Noah, now he uses this little basket of reed to save Moses. So here's what I want you to understand. Jochebed knew she was giving Moses up, but she wasn't giving up on God. She put that little baby in there knowing, you know what, Lord? He's not mine. He's yours. So watch what happens. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down. Everybody say that word. See, God doesn't care about time. God cares about timing. Timing is everything. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile. Are y'all getting excited as I am? Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe. And her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reasons sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Now, what do you expect? Oh, gosh, we got to kill this baby. Keep reading. Then his sister, ready for this, then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Now notice the dominoes falling, right? The baby's placed in a basket. Pharaoh's daughter comes to bathe, sees the basket, sends her slave. He's crying. She feels sorry for him. Moses' sister says she knows someone that can take care of the baby. The nurse says, you really do? Yeah. She says, would you please go get her? Who do you think she goes and gets? Moses' mother. You don't think God knows what he's doing? God is always aware. God always cares. He will do whatever it takes to protect his own. Sometimes it may be parting a red sea. That's the way he'll protect you. Sometimes it'll be he'll just take you on to heaven. That's his way of protecting you. Sometimes it may, with a, may be with a rock and a slingshot. But every day you are here for one reason. Because you're under God's protection. C. Brown is a Christian speaker as radio ministry. He tells one of the coolest stories. He's, he's telling a story about the Cherokee Indians. Back in the day, the Cherokee Indians had a, uh, they had a ritual. That it, was kind of their, it was kind of their bar mitzvah, you might say. It was their way they would move a youth into becoming a man. So here's what every youth had to do. They, they, I think it happened when they were about 12 years old, they had a custom: they would take this youth out into the woods on a dark night, and they would leave that youth there by himself. And that youth was instructed, he could not cry, he could not leave, he had to stay there all alone. He couldn't climb a tree, he couldn't hide in a hole. He had to stay right on that ground all night long. You can just imagine, it was terrifying. That boy never went to sleep that night because every little sound would play with your mind. Every shadow looked like a bear, every noise felt like danger. And that youth would lay there all night on that cold ground in that dark wood, just praying for the sun to come up. And when the sun finally came up, that young Cherokee boy would kind of look around to see where he was. And the first thing he would see, not 10 feet away, was his dad. His dad was standing there the whole night with his bow, with his arrow, with his knife, ready to protect that boy. You may not see him, You may not hear him, you may not feel him, but everywhere you go in your life, God's right there with you. God's back in the shadows, But he is there guiding you. He's there protecting you. He will never leave you. He'll never take his eyes off of you. He will never let his attention wander. He will never quit caring for you, loving you, protecting you, and taking care of you. Now, all of that says this, that leads me to say this. And and I thought about this when I was sitting at my desk several weeks ago working on this message. So if you're a parent, I want you to listen to me very carefully. From the time your kids are born... From the time your kids draw their very first breath, the first thing you better do, and the best thing you'll ever do, is to give those kids back to God. Because let me tell you something at the end of the day, they're not your kids, they're His kids. God gave you the ability to conceive the kids. They are God's gift to you. But here's the good thing. So, but Pastor, what will happen if I give my kids to God? You know what, Jochebed learned? This is so good. This is how good God is. You ready? What you give to God always comes back to you. What you give to God always comes back to you. So, what happened? Not only does Moses' mother get her son back, are you ready for this? She gets paid to take care of him. Does God not have a sense of humor? She's paid to take care of him. See, there's a miracle in your mirror because every day you're born in the providence of God and every day you live, you survive under the protection of God. But there's one other thing that's true of Moses and it's true about us. Not only are we born in the providence of God, we came at the right time, right place because it was God's time and God's place. You are who you are because that's who God wanted you to be. And not only do we survive under the protection of God, every single day of our life, we're here because of God's protective power. Here's the last thing. We live for the purpose of God. We live for the purpose of God. See, everything that God places his hand on has a purpose. Everything God creates has a purpose. Every person that was born into this world, you, me, everybody, every person born into this world has a purpose. Let me show you how this works out. There are two women that we've already read about just very briefly. I haven't talked about them a lot. And when you read the story, they seem kind of like they're incidental. But they're not incidental. They are fundamental. Because Pharaoh had ordered, he gave, I mean, it it was plain English. He didn't stammer or stutter. If that male, if that baby is a male, you kill that baby. If that Hebrew is a boy, you kill that boy. Every midwife knew what the deal was. He gave strict orders that were clearly understood. I'll remind you. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shipra and Puah, when you're helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see the baby as a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. Now, these midwives knew the penalty for disobeying Pharaoh. They knew. We don't end that boy's life. He'll end ours. It's him or us. Nobody would have blamed them. Nobody would have blamed them if they said this. Well, we're just obeying the law. You know, that's the law of the land. We're just doing what we're told to do. Five Supreme Court justices said it's the law of the land. Get my drift. Five Supreme Court justices, that's what they say. They say it's legal. Nobody would have blamed if they had done that. But God had a purpose for these midwives. Watch this. The midwives, however, feared God. Quick statement The day you fear a judge or a bad law instead of God, you're in big trouble. You're in big trouble. The midwives, however, feared God. They didn't do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? They have a great sense of humor. I think it's coming up. Is it not coming up? Nope, that's it. I didn't see the first down there. Because what the midwives said was this. They're just too vigorous. They just spit the baby out too quick. We just... Can't keep up with them because they knew. Now, let's remember, they knew the penalty for disobeying Pharaoh because not to the end of their life would mean their life would be over. They knew that, right? They knew that. So they, why have you let the boys live? Okay, I think we're going to keep, yeah, okay. So the meter. I think there's, um, it is. Yeah, it's not, you guys didn't put the There we go. The midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women, they're vigorous, they give birth before the midwives arrive. So God was kind to the midwives and the people increased and became even more numerous. Now watch this, this is so cool. I never thought about this before, okay. Whose job was it to protect Moses? Whose job? That's the easy question, whose job was it? It was God's, right? Joachim couldn't do it, dad couldn't do it, it was God's job. So it's God's job to protect, these, to protect you know, this baby. Here's the amazing thing. He didn't send angels from heaven. He didn't step in himself. Instead, what does he do? He chooses two minimum wage midwives who feared God and used them to save that baby boy. It is so hard for us to even really understand the courage of these two women. It's the first recorded act of civil disobedience in history. And I want you to notice how God uses two ordinary women Seemingly in ordinary ways to do extraordinary things. I want you to notice something else. Who can tell me the name of the Pharaoh in this story? Can anybody? No, we don't know who it was, because it's not named. You know who is named? The midwives. We don't know who the Pharaoh was, but we know who they are, and we're talking about them, we're still celebrating them. 3300 years later, we're talking about these two, minimum wage, nobody, midwives, why? Because they had a purpose and they fulfilled it. They did exactly what God told them to do. Now listen, the same thing is true about Moses. Moses had a divine purpose for coming into this world. We even see that in what Pharaoh's daughter decided to name him, listen to this. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Now, the name Moses sounds very much like the Hebrew word masha, And the Hebrew word masha literally means to pull out or to draw out. And just like Moses God, used the daughter of a pagan king to draw Moses out of the water of the Nile, he uses Moses to draw the Hebrew people out of Egypt to lead them on a journey that would eventually help them to get to the promised land where God had promised them they would go. As a matter of fact, even this book that we're studying right now, the book of Exodus, the word Exodus in Hebrew literally means departure. It means going out. So here's the story. Moses was born in Egypt to lead the people out of Egypt. Behind this human person was a divine purpose, and that's the way God Always works. Here's, here's something I bet you've never noticed. Whenever God wants to accomplish a great work, the number one way God does it, he sends a baby. You have thought about that? Whenever God wants something done, he sends a baby. So for example, when God wanted America to be liberated, he sends a baby named George Washington. When God wanted slavery to be eradicated, he sent a baby named Abraham Lincoln. When God wanted racial equality to be elevated, he sent a baby named Martin Luther King. And when God wanted sinners, To be eternally exonerated, he sends a baby named Jesus. It's the way God always works. And he sent you and he sent me into this world to fulfill his purpose. And you say, well, pastor, how do I know what that purpose is? It's real easy. Just go ahead and surrender to what it is. Then he'll tell you what it is. Now, I want you to listen. I'm going to wrap this up. If you don't ever discover why you are here, you will waste the time you are here. If you don't ever discover why you are here, you will waste the time you are here. See, science can tell you physiologically how you got here. Science cannot tell you why you are here. Science can tell you how your life came to be. It cannot tell you how your life is to be lived. And there's a God, there's a a saying that you probably heard before, God has a wonderful plan for your life. How many of you have heard that statement? Okay. God has a wonderful plan for your life. i thought about that. I, you know, it finally hit me. That is true, but I don't think it's in the right order. So this is a life changer. It's not so much that God has a plan for your life as it is, as it is that you should give your life to His plan. It's not so much that God has a plan for your life as it is that you should give your life to his plan. And God's plan for you is to accomplish his purpose. And the one purpose we all have is to love him and worship him and serve him and glorify him and magnify him because he is the God that gave us life to begin with. So, go home today and look at the miracle in your mirror. Don't you ever underestimate the birth of any baby. Don't you ever underestimate the baby of any birth, including your own, because if there's one thing you find in the Bible over and over and over, big things come in small packages. Who would have dreamed that a mother in a poor family of an impoverished and enslaved people would give birth to the greatest lawgiver of all time? And who would have dreamed, who would have imagined that a teenage girl who couldn't even read or write or sign her name, would give birth to the Savior of the world. Whenever God wants to do something great, God says, yep, it's time to send a baby. We are all born at an appointed place, in an appointed period, under an appointed protection, for an appointed purpose, to fulfill an appointed plan. And when you realize that's true, every time you look in the mirror, Just like this man named Moses, you'll see a miracle staring back at you. Would you pray with me right now with his bowed with eyes closed? There was a baby that was born 2,000 years ago. You know why that baby was born? He was born physically so we could be born spiritually. Do you know why you were born? Listen to me. You were born so you could be born again. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, let me just tell you something right now. You're living a wasted life. Every life, every moment lived without Christ as Lord is a wasted moment. And I'm talking to those of you watching online right now, watching by television, those of you in this building. If you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, now's the time, this is the place. And you're the person. And if today you would like to say, you know, I don't want to live another wasted moment. Life's too short. I want to find my purpose. I want to find my place in God's plan. But it begins by giving my life to Christ. So would you just do that right now? If you've never trusted him, if you've never received him as your Lord and as your Savior, would you just like, you could just tell him something like this. Lord Jesus, you were a baby. I believe you were born of a virgin. I believe it. And I believe you were born to be my Savior. You were born that I might be born again. So Lord Jesus, today I'm telling you, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. You're that Savior. I believe you died for my sins. I believe God raised you from the dead. I believe you're alive right now. So Lord, come into my heart. Save me. Forgive me of all of my sins. I surrender my life to you. Let me fulfill your purpose. Let me play my part in your plan till the day you take me to heaven. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, here's what I want you to do right now. Whether you're in the building or you're watching me right now, here's what I want you to do. If you would say, I, I prayed that prayer. You may be a little boy, a little girl or whatever. So, I-, I prayed that prayer. Here's what I want you to do. And by the way, if you don't have a phone and you can't do this, then we're gonna help you do it another way in just a moment. But I want you right now to either go on your, get on your computer Get on your cell phone, whatever. Go to, to crosspointchurch.com slash decision. Do it right. Just type that in. That's your URL, crosspointchurch.com slash decision. Or get on your phone right now and text Jesus to 678 255 678 Do it right now. What, what, what will happen when you do that? When you do that? It'll begin to tell you, here's your next step. Now that you've trusted Christ, here's your next step. We've got some information. If you'll ask, we'll send send you a Bible, whatever you need to get started on your walk with God. By the way, you may say, well, I've already trusted Christ. So what's God's purpose for me? Can I tell you God's plan? I know God's plan for you right off the bat. The very first thing God wants you to do once you give your life to Christ is to be biblically baptized. Some of you are out of God's plan for your life already because you've not done that. So I'm going to encourage you, if you say, you know, I, I've not been biblically baptized. I, I need to do that. That's what God wants me to do. That's the way you profess your faith. Do the same thing. Go to that website. Text that right now. We'll help you set up your baptism. If you're in this building right now, and you've need to, you've either given your life to Christ, you need to be baptized, you want to join this church, what I'm going to ask you to do is go out to our lobby in just a moment. There's a table there called Connection Point. Go out to that lobby. All you got to do is just go to those people up there and tell them what your decision is. I gave my life to Jesus today. I want to follow Christ in baptism. I'd like to join this church. Or if you just got a prayer need, there are people out there who just love just to pray with you. Now, here's my last question. I thought about this coming in today. Not because of me, but because of God's Word. There are so many people. Over a million people live within seven, eight miles of this church. Over a million. There are so many people that needed to hear this message today in this building. Who's your one? Who will you bring next week? I hope that you've heard enough today to say, man, if this is what it's gonna be, don't wanna miss the next seven weeks. If this is what I'm gonna learn, this is is the truth I'm gonna hear, I need to be here. Yes, and you need to bring somebody with you. Lord, I pray, as I've never prayed before, would you put your hand, would you put your favor on this series? Lord, I've been so encouraged by the messages you've given me in my own heart, my own life. I want to be like Moses. I want to be a man of God. I want our women to be women of God. So use this series, oh God, to change lives, to bless lives. Bring back the memory of the greatest man in the Old Testament to show us that the same God that works in him works in us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.